Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Boston Balling. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut. It's a really, really fun time to be a baseball fan right now. There's a lot going on. We're in the home stretch of the regular season. There's a lot of teams fighting for spots right now. It's definitely going to be fun to see what happens for the last couple weeks here um, before teams are really, really clinching playoff spots and figuring out where they're going to be come October 4th when the regular season ends. So that's going to be really exciting. I am really excited to introduce my guest for this week too. Um, you know, you guys all know him, big Red Sox guy, been doing it for as long as I can really remember covering the Red Sox, does a great job with it. Um, TC, Tom, Karen, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Gabby? Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, it's definitely a fun time to be a baseball fan right now, especially if you're a Red Sox fan in terms of just how this season has gone and just the expectations that have been exceeded, I think, overall this season, because this season was not really supposed to be a season where they were really making a playoff run in general. So that's pretty exciting for us all, I think, as fans to say that we can be optimistic about. But at the same time, it's definitely very nerve wracking just seeing how the rest of this playoff race is going to play out and just all the teams that are right in the mix right now between Toronto and the Yankees and the Mariners still, I'm not ruling them out. Um, so it's, it's definitely a really, really fun time, but also super nerve wracking. So I'm excited to have you here to, to talk about a lot of this. Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, I think expectations is a, a it, it's a really good place to start because I think, you know, at the, like you said, this is a team that wasn't expected to do anything. Uh, I, I thought they'd be better than most people thought. I, I like the vibe of the veterans. And, and you know, if you'd have said back in January, February, March, that this team would win 88 to 90 games, which is what I predicted, by the way, uh, and would be knocking on the door of a wild card, I think everybody would have signed up for that. And then, you know, you get to the all-star break and you've been in first place most of the first half. And all of a sudden, those expectations have been driven up by by your play. And and so then you get to where we are now. And, you know, the expectations are what this team has set for itself. And, you know, watching them struggle over the second half uh, hasn't been easy. They have they've, they've beaten bad teams and they've been beaten by good teams. And then you have this crazy COVID outbreak, uh, and it's almost like you know you're waiting every day to see if they can get a team on the field. So it's been frustrating in a lot of ways, I think, for fans. But the drama, and this is why you watch sports. You know, like last night, you got the Yankees down five nothing in the afternoon. They come back and win that game. You've got the the Blue Jays just bludgeoning the Tampa Bay Rays, and then the Red Sox. You know, an error opens the door, three run home run. They get two back. Uh, it's been crazy stuff. So who knows what's going to happen over the last two and a half weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's it seriously is crazy. And I, I like to think that this team is in a good spot right now, especially in terms of the schedule that they have going forward. And the strength of schedule really does work in their favor. And they have to take advantage of that and win a lot of those games because that's going to be the key down the stretch, I think. Because, I mean, the Yankees schedule the next 10 games or so is pretty easy as well overall. However, they, I mean, they play the Orioles who we thought that they were going to manhandle last series and then they lost two of three against the Orioles at home. So that's always hard to say. 
Toronto is right there though. And, and they, I mean, they're, they're looking really, really good right now. That, that team, that lineup is definitely lethal to me when fully healthy and that's super scary. And I'm really, really struggling with the idea of having to play Toronto in a one game playoff. Cause I think to me, if I'm looking at the Red Sox right now, I'd feel more confident playing the Yankees in a one-game playoff than I would the Blue Jays right now. I'd say. Yeah, the, the Blue Jays are a scary team right now. There's no doubt about it because they've got the pitching to back it up, which was the real problem at the beginning of the year. Uh, yeah. Robbie Ray might win the Cy Young Award. Probably should. Ray struggled a little bit, but he's there. Uh, their bullpen's been better. Uh, even though they traded for Brad Hand, that was their big pickup, and then they got rid of him because it didn't work out. But that offense is is frightening, as you said. And and, you know, last night there were – I was talking to Hazel May, who used to be here and is up in Toronto now, and, and, and she was saying that, you know, it's still only 15,000 fans allowed at Rogers Center. And it was thundering last night. The MVP chants, whenever Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got up to the plate, uh, were, were just – it was, it was just uh, so loud. It was thunderous, as I said. And he hit that home run, if you saw it thing was never more than like eight feet off the ground. The, the launch angle, the, the angle of it was 15 degrees, which is like, you know, nothing. And his 45th home run, he moves ahead of Otani for the major league lead. But he also breaks the record of his dad, who 44 is the most his dad ever hit in a season. And they talk every night. It's, a, it's an amazing story. His dad bet him at the beginning of the year. He said, I bet you can hit 50 home runs this season. Everybody thought Vlad Sr. was crazy. Because it had been such a bad season in 2020 for, for Junior, you know, and he, he lost the weight and he moved to a new position. You didn't know what he was going to be like. And now he's we got 45 with, with 18 games left. So there's a real chance he's going to hit 50 home runs. So I'm with you. I think, the, uh, I, I think the Jays are the team to worry about in this wild card scenario. And then that we can get into this. But I mean, the bigger concern for me, too, is that, you know, you may have to play the Yankees Monday just to get into the wild card game on Tuesday. Uh, because you could have teams tied for the second wild card spot, which means you're going to get just it, it. It could be. I mean, it won't be great for the Red Sox because you know, even if you survived all of that, you'll have like your third or fourth starter in Game One against the Tampa Bay Rays if you if you won the wild card. But for a fan, you could have like multiple elimination games lined up in October, which would be crazy. Yeah, which that that's why this wild card race to me is so intriguing right now because it's going to be so interesting to see what happens down the stretch with those teams and the Red Sox play the Yankees again one more time too. So depending on where those teams are at for that series, that could be really really huge in terms of those wild card standings because if those two teams are neck and neck at that point for that second wild card spot and Toronto's still in front that could really make or break though which team makes the the postseason at that point because of just how how they play in that series and where they're at in terms of the standings with each other. No doubt. See, what I really want, I want a three-way tie because if you go back through everything, I don't know if you've looked into all the three-way ties are ridiculous because then you have team A, B, and C, and team A and B play on Monday – and the winner goes right to the wild card. The loser then goes to Tuesday and plays Team C. And the winner of that goes to the wild card Wednesday. So you'd have three straight nights of elimination games. Uh, and, and the Red Sox have the tiebreaker on both the Rays, uh, the Jays, and the Yankees. So they get to choose. Do they want to be Team A, B, or C? 
Uh, and, and teams traditionally, it's happened a few times now, teams always choose A, which means you're home on Monday. And if you lose, you go on the road on Tuesday for that second play-in game. I just want, I want to, win. to get another chance to move on to the wild card. Because if you win Monday, then you go right to the wild card and you get to play the winner of the Tuesday game. So you play a team that's all beaten and, and banged up. And so it's just, it's ridiculous. I just, what I want is the Red Sox and Yankees, not in the wild card, but to play a play-in game for the wild card on that Monday at Fenway. Because you're not old enough, but it'd be like 1978 all over again. Bucky Dent, the famous 163rd game of 1978. So we need that. They've already, they already exercised their demons in 04 with the Yankees, but they've never had a one game playoff like that. So that's what I'm looking for that to happen. See, that would be really fun if that does no. happen. I feel like that would be right? cool for baseball fans to be able to right. witness something like that too. Right. You know? And you'd have the Red Sox Yankees Monday with the Blue Jays waiting on Tuesday. And it would just, it's like an AL East love fest. Uh, the winner gets the, the winner will go to Tampa because they'll have the best record. So it'll be all AL East all the time, which would be great. Yeah. And, and this, this division is, I mean, I've said for a while this is definitely the best division in baseball because you have four teams in that division that are super competitive, that are playoff caliber teams right now. And that's a tough division to be in. I mean, the NL West, people are have been trying to argue that that's a tough division, which it is because they have, sure. you know, the Dodgers and Giants are both really good this year and they've been performing really well too. And both teams are going to win 100 games plus probably, but to be in a division where you have four teams that really are playoff caliber teams and three of those teams are fighting for that wild card spot right now, that's, that's a tough schedule to have throughout your season is to be playing those teams all season. Yeah. Thank God for the Orioles. Thank God everybody gets 19 with the <laughs> Orioles. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays are 18 and one against Baltimore this year. I mean, that's insane. So I, uh, yeah, it's, but you're right. The rest of the, I mean, those are, arguably, you know, they might not be the four best teams in the American League. Houston's really good. Uh, I'm not sold on Chicago, though Though they are good. Uh, I don't think the Seattle, you know, here's the other thing. The Mariners and the A's still have seven games against each other. So someone's beaten up on someone behind everyone. So I think it does come down to those three teams, the, the Jays, the Yankees, and, and the Sox. Yankees still play the Sox. Yankees still play the Jays. Sox don't play the Jays, which is a good thing Luckily. Uh, because they're scary right now. There's no doubt about that. But this is, you know, the Red Sox have, I mean, 2012 is when they put in this wild card system, right? If you all remember in 2011, and that was the famous final day of the season. Red Sox lost in Baltimore. Longoria hit the home run to beat the Yankees and the Red Sox were knocked out of the playoffs on the last day of the season. And, and the same thing was happening, if you remember, in the National League. I, I think it was the Braves and, and, and the Phillies or the Braves and Cardinals were battling for the last playoff spot. So you had two – both leagues, you basically had four you know, games total, two games in each league that were elimination games. Uh, the Red Sox got eliminated that night. The Braves got eliminated that night. Was it the Braves? I think it was the Braves. Uh, and, but they – but but the um, – Baseball loved that so much that that really was the genesis of this wild card game, which I think, you know, and I've heard a lot of people in the last week or two, especially out on the NL West, complaining about it because, you know, the Dodgers, who might be the best team in baseball, uh, might have to do, uh, might have to play a one game wild card. That's not fair. You know what? If you don't want to be in a wild card game, win the division. Don't, yeah, don't exactly. cry about it now. I think the wild card game is the greatest thing in the playoffs. 
because it's the only sport. I mean, football, every game is a one-game elimination. We get that. But in, in, compared to basketball or hockey, it's the only sport where you're starting the postseason with a game seven. You're basically starting with an elimination game. And I love it. I think that I, in a game that is always played for the long haul, right, in a game where, where Xander Bogarts is getting a day off after missing 10 days because you're trying to keep him fresh for the long haul, you play that one game with everything on the line. You throw everything at it. It's, it's the perfect jump start to the postseason, and I love it. Yeah, and it feels like the equivalent to the Super Bowl for baseball, kind of for those teams, because you, you have to play your best in that one game. Whereas, you know, with baseball being a long season, over the course of the season, you can go on a, a stretch where you're struggling. As I mean, we saw that with the Red Sox recently in that, that slump that they were in when they were just not pulling together a lot of wins. But you can bounce back from that because you just need that one game to get that momentum to get back in it. And I feel like if you play really, really well in that wild card game and you get that momentum, that can help you going forward. And I know there were some people that feel like the wild card should be a series, maybe three games nope. or something like that. But I feel like that ruins the effect of what the wild card is actually supposed to be. I totally agree. No, in fact, Kevin Euglis, who joins us on the show, uh, he thinks it should be like the NBA where you reseed the teams, like the Dodgers should be the number two seed going into the playoffs because they have the second best record. Or, or you know, the, the Blue Jays might be a higher seed if they have a better record than Chicago. Uh, I, I don't I you know, I know it's, you know, it might not be fair to a great team that loses the one game. But like I said, you don't like it, win the division. Uh, that's, that's why, you know, because it, it used to be, and, and I've done this a long time, you know, it used to be, you think about 03 and 04 and 07, those, those playoff races, nobody cared if you won the division or won the wild card because you were going to go to a seven-game series anyway. So it was whatever. Everybody just sort of backed in. Uh, I remember 04 specifically Red Sox stopped trying with like three weeks left. They were resting everybody because they knew they were playing, you know, for the long term, the playoffs, and, and it won. It worked. They won the World Series. So I, I just – I love it. You know, you got – there's a reason now to win the division. If you were if you were the Rays and you had only a two-game lead right now in the American League East, you'd be playing for everything because you want to avoid that wild card game, and it gives you drama. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that too. There's just so much more incentive now to win your division instead of just settling for a wild card because the stakes are that much higher because nobody wants to be in that one game playoff anymore because that's that's scary. That's terrifying because if you don't show up for that one game or your starter has a bad start that day or your offense is cold that day and doesn't show up, then that's it. And that's why I feel like it just makes the division races that much more competitive. No doubt about it, because again, you've got basically two battles. I mean, and this year, you've got great wild card races. You know, Cincinnati moved back in, San Diego. Padres were built for a championship, and they might not even make the playoffs. It's it's crazy what's happening out in that division. And then this thing in the American League, because the I mean, listen, we're here because the Red Sox and and even more so the Yankees have really struggled over the last month. I mean, all they had to do was play a little better than 500 and, and they'd both be in, in a comfortable position, but they opened the door and the A's and Mariners have snuck back into it. And then the blue Jays have just pummeled their way back into it. Yeah. I mean, the blue Jays are just on fire right now though. They, they just keep winning games and, and I'm, 
I'm hoping for my sake as a Red Sox fan that this is them getting on a hot streak now and that they'll start to fall back a little. But it's hard for me to really fully feel confident in that just because this is the Blue Jays team that I kind of envisioned all Mm -hmm. season that I really thought was going to be right up there with everybody else in the division and super competitive. And obviously they had some injuries at the beginning of the season, but overall they're, they're a very talented team and that's why they scare me. I mean, I, I was high on the Red Sox before the season started too. I kind of predicted somewhere between 85 to 90 wins for them. And I feel like they were kind of underrated by a lot of people just because of on paper, they didn't think that they were going to be a team that could really be competitive for a wild card spot this year. But I think there's a lot that they can say this year that has gone right, but there are definitely concerns still. I mean, the errors have been a major concern. I mean, we saw it last night. That game was a game that was well within reach for them to win. And then a bad error was what caused them to lose that game, essentially, because then they climbed back into it in what should have been a win had the error not happened. And I think, you know, I think that's a concern. And I think... In terms of the pitching, I liked what I saw overall from Erod last night. I think there was a there wasn't really much else that he could have done. I mean, he got through six innings and had a high pitch count and longevity has been a big issue for a lot of the starters this year, I feel like. So that was nice to see from him. And obviously the offense is still going to hit and that was never really a concern, but there's just these small issues that are fixable that they haven't been able to fix that I feel like are super frustrating. That's caused them to lose some games that they should have won. Yeah, they're all great points. I I think, you know, with Erod, there seemed to be an adjustment he made around the third inning last night. A lot of people thought maybe he was tipping his pitches again. That's something he's been dealing with his whole career but he was setting with the glove up high. And then if you look at the third inning, he started setting it down by the belt and, and then retired. I think 11 out of 13 after that little two infield singles was all he gave up. But in the end, they lost that game because of two things that have really been in the, a thorn in the side of this team and Alex Cora all year. Alex Cora survived in this game as a relatively weak hitting infielder because he was so good fundamentally. He always made the right play. He knew where to go if it came to him. He always was ready defensively, uh, you know, no mental errors. And this team is loaded with mental and physical errors all season long. Two things haunted him last night. One, the situational hitting. And that's been a problem for this team, you know, all season long. You know, when they, when they had an opportunity in the, in the sixth inning to take the lead in this game, he had a leadoff double for Xander Bogarts. Uh, Jim Rice, who was with me in the studio, actually believes he should have gotten a third on the triple that he pulled up when he could have kept going. But you got a guy in scoring position in a tie game in the sixth inning with nobody out. Situational hitting. You got to move that guy along. And it was Robbie Devers who hit a home run later, but he popped out to short. And that was the key at bat. If you can just get a ground ball to the right side of the infield, Bogarts is going to go to third. Then he's going to score on the Martinez sacrifice fly. Instead, he moved ahead to third on the sacrifice fly. And Verdugo strikes out there in the inning. So that was the classic inning that was, you know, everything that's wrong with their approach. Their approach sometimes is too big at the plate. Devers a big swing when really all you needed was to slap it and get, and get it into play. And then the errors, like you said, the Schwarber error. But don't forget earlier in the game, the Renfro error led directly to the run. Uh, so so the, the two big plays that night, they take a 2 nothing lead because you had the error by Renfro uh, that, that hurt you there. And then you uh, – and the Schwarber, which was 
you know, everything we'd been told is that he's an athlete. He's going to be able to play first base. We all knew it wasn't going to be a great fit for Schwarber at first base. And then it blows yeah. up in your face on, on a relatively routine ground ball that he boots away. Uh, base hit after that. It would have been a six-pitch inning for Ryan Brazier. Instead, it's a three-run home run and the Red Sox lose the game. Yeah, I mean, that was just so frustrating to watch, too, because you a lot of this stuff is so – things that they should be able to fix, and it's not like they can't compete with these teams because they can because they've shown, especially in the first half of the season, that they can compete with these teams. There's just a lot of decisions they're making when they're in-game play that seem to just not be – it's just weird to me. It's really yeah. just not, it doesn't make sense. A lot of what they're doing now, because a lot of this was not occurring in the first half of the season. And like you said, with the situational hitting, that's the impression I get too. They're just trying to do too much at the plate where they feel like they have to just hit a home run when all they need to do is just single and try to move a base runner over and playing small ball and everything like that was all stuff that they were good at at the beginning of the season and the whole entire first half really until the all-star break. And it seems like they forgot what a lot of those fundamentals were after the all-star break and even more so after the trade deadline and just forgetting a lot of just the fundamentals of baseball, which is really weird. Yeah. You know, it's such an all or nothing game. Uh, a lot of teams and a lot of players, the approach now is, is strikeouts, walks, home runs, right? The three true outcomes, but the Red Sox weren't that kind of team. I remember talking to them a lot at the beginning of the year and they were really buying into the approach, uh, which was, you know, go opposite field, go from center field over opposite field, uh, right field. If you're a right-handed hitter. Uh, and, and we really saw if Vasquez was doing it really well at the beginning of the year, uh, 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 Verdugo was slapping stuff to left field all the time, you know, going with my uh, Bogarts always does it as well as anybody. Uh, and you're right. It seems they got away from that. Now Schwarber came in and he's great at it, right? Schwarber never expands the strike zone. He's, he's in a little bit of a, a struggle now on this road trip, but prior to the road trip, uh, he really was a, was a, was a blessing for this lineup because he comes in, does expand, takes a walk, hits home runs and, and a veteran, that all the other guys are kind of surrounding. I watched them in the batting cage, and he's preaching uh, the, the approach uh, to all the young guys who are gobbling it up. So, so that's huge, uh, but it's gone now on the road. Uh, they're, they're hitting 212 as a team on this road trip, 54 strikeouts in four games. Uh, and it's back to that big approach where they know they're struggling and everybody's trying to hit a five-run home run every time they're at the plate, and that doesn't work. Yeah, it's which is frustrating because we know that that's not what this offense really is. And I feel like what this offense has really done well overall is be able to create runs and it, it, and just manufacture runs in other ways than just hitting a home run. And I feel like they've kind of forgotten a lot of what that is because they get to the plate and, you know, they might have a runner on base and they feel like they just need to hit a home run every time to try to score that runner. And that's not really the way to approach it. And that's not how they used to approach it, but it's getting really frustrating now. And, you know, when they, when they traded for Schwarber at the trade deadline, I was excited because I, I said, you know, this is somebody that is going to find a way to get on base. A lot of the times, I mean, he'll take walks, he'll single, he'll double, he'll hit home runs. I mean, this is somebody that you can have in your lineup that, you know, can find ways to get on base a lot of the times. And so far he's been able to do that pretty consistently. And that's something that I really like about him, but you have other guys in this lineup, like Devers is a big example of that. 
that just seems like he's just trying to do too much. And we know that Devers can is capable of doing other things at the plate. He's not just a home run or bust hitter. Mm-hmm. He just seems to be forgetting that he doesn't need to overcompensate every time and do that. And I feel like when they're in situations where they're trailing, they feel like they need to do that to try to just instantly tie the game when really if they can just move base runners over and string together some runs. That's how they won a lot of their games early on in the season when they came from behind and won games. It wasn't all just going and hitting home runs every time. Yeah, it's a great point. I think, you know, I think it uh, gets magnified when they struggle as a team. You know, you're slumping, you know, you've fallen out of the wild card spot or the top spot and you just try to do too much. You know, they're trailing early in games. This is what was happening, you know, mid-season when they were struggling, they got back out of it. Uh, listen, the COVID thing has been real. Yeah. Uh, but then you bring Schwarber in, and, and you know, it's just not an easy fit. You either have J.D. in the outfield with Schwarber, the D.H., and when you have J.D. in the outfield, he has not been hitting as well since he started playing a lot outfield again, though he likes to play the outfield, and he's not bad at it. But then you move in Verdugo over to center field, and we've seen him, uh, you know, that Monday Labor Day game when he had all kinds of trouble with the sun at Fenway. Uh, and they lose a 7-1 game, a 7-1 lead with Chris Sale on the mound. Uh, or, or you've got Schwarber at first base, and you don't have Bobby Dahlbeck in the lineup, who's become your best second-half hitter. Uh, and you don't have the defense, as we saw at the end last night. So it's a, it's a difficult lineup, I think, for Cora to manage on a daily basis. And, you know, the guy, I keep saying the sort of uh, – the glue guy that they've lost and nobody really talks about is Christian Arroyo. I mean, this guy really did play a really good second base and he hits, you know, and he, and he, he the approach we're talking about is how he hits. He's not a home run or nothing guy. Uh, I think he'll be back. I talked to him last night. I think he'll be back Friday uh, at Fenway park, which is good news. Okay. Jose Iglesias had a, had a good night last night. He can play second base now. So that was, that's good depth. But uh I think Arroyo helps his team. He plays a little bit of swagger, and this team needs a little bit of swagger. They seem to have lost that right now. Yeah, I like Arroyo a lot. I'm a big fan of him, and I think that when he's in the lineup – he kind of fuels something in the rest of the offense. And I feel like he, they always perform better when he's there, which is cool. So he's definitely, it's it's noticeable that he's missing to me. I I feel, I, I personally notice a difference in the offense and the energy without him there. And that's why I've, I've been so high on Arroyo all season. I think he's great. And I think he's somebody that I hope sticks around here for a while, because I think he's, he's, He's good deep. He's he can do the job defensively at second base and he can hit. And I think that that's huge for us right now in terms of where they're lacking, which is on defense in particular. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'm the same way. I'm a big fan of him when he came up last year. This guy was a first round draft pick and he was yeah. uh, supposed to be a superstar. Injuries got in the way. He might have been called up a little too early. He was only 21 years old when he made his major league debut. Uh, and I agree that he, I, I think he's a guy who fits into the future of this team. Listen, at the end of the day, wherever this season goes, I think organizationally, they have to be pretty happy with where they are. You know, they, they didn't give up. I know fans wanted them to do more at the trade deadline. And I would have liked to seen a little more, certainly some pitching help. That said, they didn't blow up the farm system, which at this point last year was rate, rated 20th. I think it's MLB Pipeline that does the ratings I look at it. And they were 20th a year ago. They're ninth now. That's a significant improvement. And again, do those numbers mean anything? No. But what it tells you is they now have gone from a lower third farm system to an upper third farm system. And they've done that while still being in contention. You know, the young guys, 
Darren Woodlock gave up a home run the other day. He's been terrific for this team. He's getting playoff race and potentially playoff experience at a very young age. That's going to help him be better down the road. Hunter Renfro has been unbelievable. What a great signing he's been. Maybe they can lock him up and keep him for the future. Devers getting, you know, still a young player, getting a little more playoff experience. Bobby Dahlbeck playing in really important, high-pressure playoff situations. Verdugo, who, who got to be, you know, a, a, an important part of the Dodgers, but was a young guy on that team, now developing into a leader on this team. All of that bodes well for, I think, next year. When you get Chris Sale healthy for an entire season, ready to pitch from day one, where you still have Evaldi, where Pavetta has shown you a little something. Seabold didn't go well the other day, but he's still an arm to get excited about. Jay Groom is having a terrific minor league year and isn't too far off the radar. So all of a sudden, you know, Tristan Cassis is just destroying every baseball he sees, and, and he's probably your first baseman of the future. Maybe Dahlbeck plays another position. Uh, but, but I think you really should feel good, even though it's been frustrating that they let a uh, an AL East lead, get away from them, and now they're fighting tooth and nail for their lives. I think the future of this organization still really looks good, and if they could make a wild card game this year, I think if they make the wild card and win the wild card game and get to a series, win or lose, it's been a terrific year. I think not making the playoffs at all would absolutely be a disappointment because of where they were. They were in a position that they should make the postseason. If they don't get there, it's because of self-inflicted wounds but having said all of that, I still think this was a really important step forward season for the Red Sox after such a horrible 2020. Absolutely. I mean, they, they've been overall playing really good baseball with what they have. And, and you said it really well. I think the future is really bright for this team. I think that Bloom's done a good job of really revamping this farm system and, and getting some solid talent down there to be able to bring up going forward in the next few years. And so I think Red Sox fans have something to be excited about for the next few years after this, because there's definitely a lot of talent that we're going to see coming up, I think. And you add that to what they already have on this roster right now. I think it's going to be really exciting in terms of the future. And, and I, I think yeah, I mean, I think this year at this point, based on where they were at, it would be disappointing if they don't get a wild card spot because that really you would see the the decline as it happened because they were in a really good position going into the right. All-Star break. So just to, to completely kind of ruin all of that and just not get a spot at all would just definitely make this super disappointing, especially watching them the first half of the season and saying, oh, this – in the first half of the season, they looked like a 100-win team. Th yeah. That looks like a baseball team that could win 100 games, which nobody thought they could. And even winning 90 games this year is is pretty impressive for the team that people thought they were going to be. But in terms of the wild card game in general, do you think that Chris Sale is the guy that they should stick out there in a wild card game right now? Because, you know, obviously he hasn't had a ton of starts so far. Been a little shaky it for Chris Sale overall, but at the end of the day, he's Chris Sale. Do you think that he's the guy that they should stick out there in a wild card game? Or do you think that they should go with somebody like Nathan Avaldi, who's been pretty solid all season and you kind of know what you're going to get from him more? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to lay it out, right. I mean, first of all, yes, I think Chris Sale is the guy you want to start that game. I really do. He's, he's, he, you know, all things being equal, he's your best pitcher. And I think the good thing is 
you know, full faith in Nate Evaldi coming the next day for two days later for game one uh, yeah. of an ALDS if you win. Uh, I, I need to see Sale after this COVID, right? I mean, it's another 10-day layoff, the last thing he needed. So he's certainly a setback. He's only made a few starts, obviously. But if you map it out, I, I think he'll be back this weekend. So let's say he's back Sunday against Baltimore. That really gives him three starts to build up and be fully ready and puts him right in line to make a start Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday for a one-game playoff. So I think that makes the most sense um, because you're going to need to win more than one game. And I don't, you know, again, could it be Evaldi? Sure. And if Evaldi ends up going seven innings, giving up one or two runs over his last four or five starts, then maybe that changes things. But I still think at this point it's Chris Sale because uh, Chris Sale is still Chris Sale. And I, I, it's awful hard to, to lose a game and not use Chris Sale uh, in a game like that. Yeah, and then like you said, if you use Chris Sale for the wild card game and you get past that game, then you know you still have Evaldi, who's been having a good season, that could be there for game one of that ALDS if you get to that point. So you could feel pretty good about that because you can say, oh, we just won the wild card game and now we have one of our best pitchers going game one who's actually had a really good season so far um this year and so I think it, it's it's something to feel good about with having a baldy pitch in that game and then after that it definitely gets a little little shaky because the, the starting rotation overall in general other than that it's hard to know what you're going to get from a lot of them yeah day. I mean it's going to be Rodriguez obviously and, and he, yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez will be game three but you don't know what you're going to get most nights and, yeah. and you only need a game four start you only need a fourth starter once in a series and that'll be Pavetta uh, but I, I, you know, we've seen Cora do. We saw him did it so well in 2018. He's going to use starters in relief roles. I, I could see Pavetta being a really important uh, uh, rover, as they called him in 2018, where he comes in and pitches two innings and then starts three days later. And I think Tanner Houck could be really good out of the bullpen. He's had trouble the third time through a lineup, had trouble going deeper into games. But in the playoffs, I think he's a guy who can give you three innings out of the bullpen. So I think game one or a wild card game, You'd be looking at Chris Sale with Tanner Houck ready to go. You know, you get five out of Sale, you get two, three out of Houck, and then you're at the back end of your bullpen, which can be an adventure, I understand. But it's gotten you to where you want to be, uh, and I think that's how it maps out. Yeah, Tanner Houck, I really like his stuff, but it just it's a longevity issue with him, I feel like, too. He can't – he's really solid usually the first couple times he sees an, a, a, an order, but then once he gets to that third time through the order is when he really starts to struggle, and that's why a couple innings out of relief, even maybe three innings out of relief, could really – he could really excel there, kind of like Garrett Richards is similar to that too. I mean, look at Garrett Richards out of the bullpen relative to him being a starter. Garrett no Richards doubt about it, yeah. Is, is awesome. Yeah, although he struggled last time out. They were under yeah. runs, but he struggled. But you're right. I mean, it's a guy who accepted it and uh, invented a changeup, which he's never thrown before to do that in the middle of the season. So, yeah, I mean, they've got they've got a lot of interchangeable parts. Whitlock is a key because, again, a guy who can give you a couple of innings, and is, I think he should be. I think a Rosarena will win the rookie of the year, but Whitlock should be right there with him. Uh, you know, I, I almost think in a weird way this team is more built for the playoffs than it is the regular season because they don't have the depth to go the long haul. But if you throw in everything and managing like there's no tomorrow, almost like we saw Saturday night in Chicago when they won that game, whatever it was, nine to eight in extra innings, he was throwing everything, just trying to get through inning to inning and it worked. I think he'll do that in the playoffs. 
Yeah, which I like. I, I like that a lot, and that's why I feel like if this team is fully healthy, for one, not no more COVID issues, which is, right. seems to be a, a thing that I can really just be optimistic and hope for at this point because it just right. keeps, seems to keep keep hitting different players. So if they can be fully healthy, for one, and they're just playing good baseball, then I do think that they actually could do good. Do You know, they could do well in the postseason. I think it's just sure. a matter of – you yeah, know, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. I don't. Okay, I don't. I, you know, but, but, the, do you need to win a World Series for this to be a great year? If you beat the Rays in, in an ALDS, I think everyone would be ecstatic with whatever happens after that. And again, you win a series, then all bets are off. Who knows who you're playing and what they went through to get there? I, you know, I don't. I mean, it's easy to give up on this team, and and this the fans this year have been crazy with the highs and lows. You know, they win two three in a row it's like all right back on best team in and then they lose one game and the twitter traffic is hysterical uh so but that's you know what i mean that's fine i mean it's listen a lot of fans wanted him to go all in wanted bloom to make really big deals at the trade deadline i think they know that this year is a bit of a gift it's a big step forward see how far they go they want to win of course they want to win but but next year i think you see him start to put things in place to make a legitimate postseason run. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we're going to see some really fun things next year. I think it's going to be a, a, a good team next year, and I'm really happy with what I've seen this year as it is. So we'll just see how this plays out the rest of this year and just just hope for the best because they definitely have the attitudes to want to win, and it's just exciting to just hope that they can get fully healthy and just see what they can really do with that because – they definitely have a lot of potential. So I really appreciate you joining me on the show. Everybody, as always, thank you for tuning into the show every week. I really appreciate the constant support. Go Red Sox as the most important thing here. And um, let's hope that they can pull together a win tonight in Seattle. Thanks, Gabby. It was a fun visit. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good night, everyone.